One of our amazing listeners sent us a note about a tough situation. He wrote, and I'm paraphrasing to some extent, that his boss is the classic example of a technical expert being promoted into a position that the person was not suited for. And this person held on to the job now for a decade. The boss never transitioned from being an individual contributor to a leader and is woefully incompetent regarding interpersonal relationships. This person openly judges others in a shaming and demeaning way for all to hear, and this person's primary strategy is to motivate the team through ridicule and coercion. What should I do? Well, listener, stay tuned and we'll discuss. Welcome to the Indigo Podcast, an exploration of human flourishing at work and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more information, please visit us at www.indigopodcast.com. Bad bosses. <laughs> <laughs> the technical expert who fails at leadership. Bad bosses. I mean, there's a lot of different types of bad bosses, but we're going to talk about a certain type or certain archetypes in this episode. So right. um, we're going to talk about how being a tech technical expert who fails at leadership is one of the many ways in which a manager can be a bad boss. We're going to talk about what we can learn from the research on. And this is a term they use in the research for those people that like to Google this stuff. Abusive supervision. Mm hmm. And then we're going to talk about dealing with this particular type of bad boss. <laughs> <laughs> and some tips if you're in that situation. Right, right. So let's start off with that first part, which is you know, how being a technical expert who fails at leadership is one of the many ways in which a manager can be a bad boss. Um, you know, so I guess taking that first piece, this technical expert piece, that's just part of the equation, right? And, and what this probably suggests in this situation is that technical expertise is the reason why that person was promoted in the first place. You know, many organizations look around and say, who do we got who's doing really well? They find someone who's doing really well and they say, okay, let's make them a manager without giving due thought and consideration to the idea that, hey, maybe what made you successful in your individual contributor role has nothing or very little to do with those skills you need in a managerial or leadership capacity. And so I think that's probably part of what's going on here. And you have a technical expert who gets promoted into a leadership position. The technical expertise doesn't have a ton to do with success at that level. Uh, so it's a common reason for promotion. Doesn't always to equate to success as a manager. Um, you know, but being technical doesn't necessarily kill your ability to be a good manager. In fact, it can be a really good thing, right? Yeah. We, I mean, we have all these technical organizations, IT organizations, Google for Pete's sake. You know, you need hardcore technical chops and you need hardcore manager chops right now lots of times there's orgs right and they just they just pick well he's good at this jobs and they thrust them into manager roles and that and that's an organizational failing rather than i mean that person's being set up for failure honestly as a manager at that place Right. So, you know, you can be a technical expert and be very successful in a leadership role if you couple it with some leadership and interpersonal skills. So these are different skill sets. 
Um, and, you know, it describes a little bit about how people get to where they are now, not necessarily how well they do at it in terms of this technical expertise piece. Uh, you know, it, it also, just thinking about our listeners' conundrum here, this person's situation, it, you know, it kind of reveals something about that organization and the quality of how they, as, you know, the organization itself is selecting leaders and managers. If you're only putting people into situations, and maybe this is a one-off, maybe everybody else is doing okay, but you, you've got to recognize as an organization that it's not just technical expertise that makes people good managers and leaders. Yeah, and the 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 thing that is nuts about this situation is how many articles in the literature where this isn't a very common occurrence, and it's 10 to 16% of American workers experience abusive situations, supervisions on a regular basis, right? Ooh. So, I mean, if that if this was a new variant of COVID, we would call it, this is a leadership pandemic. This is, right. it's horrible, horrible. And I, I just got to disagree with these guys that that doesn't happen that often. That is way too much. And that means pretty much everybody has a story of having a garbage boss at one point. Yeah, so even 10%, right? I mean, sure, it's not 70%, but if it's even 10% of people are dealing with abusive supervision, uh, that's a very big problem in my estimation, and it's just uh, unacceptable. You know, but there's other ways in which you can be a bad boss. Um, you can certainly have a, a total lack of technical knowledge going to the other end of the spectrum, which is not great. Uh, in terms of you know being able to have the the knowledge about the business, having the knowledge about uh, whatever area of expertise, maybe the functional expertise you need, that can be another reason why you're a bad boss. Lack of organizational abilities. You know, when we boil leadership down into a couple different categories, one of those categories is what we call consideration, which is kind of the interpersonal part. The other piece is what we call initiating structure, which is about being able to organize people and activities and think about things in a logical way. So, uh, you know, if you lack that piece, that can be really tricky. You know, sometimes you run into problems where you have people who are kind of only doing the leading piece and none of the management. Sometimes management, it's like, don't be a manager, be a leader. Eh, that's garbage. I, you got to be both, right? Yeah. What What does that even mean? I Well, I think what people, <laughs> I, I don't really know. <laughs> I think what people oftentimes imply by that is that, you know, we, we should just... Um, you know, be be more strategic and be thinking about the vision and and so forth. Uh, and management is this thing where people are being you know treated like cogs in the wheel. And, and no, you don't want to do that, but you do need to be organized. I mean, some of the fundamental things around managing are planning, organizing, directing, and controlling work. And I, I, that does happen in good organizations. It needs to. So um, other ways in yeah, which we we'll follow you. We believe in your leadership. But what time do we show up to work? What's our schedule? Like, you yeah. got to have a schedule. You can't get anything done, you numbskull. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, you could be a bad boss if you just don't delegate ever. Uh, or maybe you're doing kind of the bad version of micromanagement. You know, sometimes micromanagement actually needs to happen. Um, if if things are not going well, sometimes leaders do need to get involved more. Um, and just being a narcissist, being very self-involved. So there's lots of ways in which you could be a bad boss. We're talking a little bit about abusive supervision here. Uh, we think it happens way too much. Um, and, you know, some of the uh, the research on this, and we'll get into this more as we move through the episode, but a lot of it comes from a guy named Ben Tepper. And Ben Tepper is a, a researcher. I think he's an associate dean now in the College of Business at Ohio State University. 
And he defined, he's done a lot of work on abusive supervision, and he defined it in an article uh, some time ago as, and I quote, the sustained display of hostile verbal and nonverbal behaviors, excluding physical contact. So hostile verbal and nonverbal behaviors, but you're not punching people. That's abusive supervision. And we'll get into that a little bit more here in a little bit. I could just see the abusive manager, you know, maybe there's new leader in the organization. And it's like, hey, man, you're really abusive. But but I didn't hit anybody. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, I mean, gosh. this is. Yeah, so but we're not talking physical abuse does not happen often in the workplace, right? You know, there's laws that protect those kinds of things, but all these other shenanigans go on. So there's a variety of abusive supervisory behaviors that have been identified. We've got a good checklist that's from Tepper's stuff. Ben, let, let's just go. Well, we'll, we'll go through the checklist here in a, in a minute, but it includes things like ridiculing subordinates, withholding important information. And we'll get through that here in a second. So now, now we're starting to talk about the research. So let's move into what we can learn from the research on abusive supervision, because that is a distinct area of management and organizational psychology research. And uh, we do put we have a handful of links in the show notes that our listeners, I think, will be find interesting and helpful if they want to dig into this even more. Um, you know, so we, we starting off with, you know, the prevalence of this, maybe it's around 10 percent. We still think that's, uh, you know, technically rare, but <laughs> still unacceptable and high. Not rare. Too high. Yeah, too high, too high. Uh, the rent is too high. That's um, right. <laughs> as is the abusive supervision. Um, so, but there's this kind of fuzzy line between being abrasive as a supervisor and being abusive, right? And so uh, now the situation that our listener described, because we really want to help our listener here who sent the uh, the situation and a description of it to me, um, you know, that might be abusive supervision or it might be kind of this abrasive type of style Regardless, I think some of the research on abusive supervision and the tips that we're going to share here in this episode will be helpful in that type of circumstance. So it's a fuzzy line between those. But yeah, Ben Tepper does have a checklist for uh, what abusive supervision looks like and is your boss abusive? So now why don't we go through that? And uh, our listeners, you know, if you're driving or something, obviously don't don't start um, you know, writing these down or anything, but uh, you can make a mental checklist or if you aren't driving, you can write these down, but let's go through them. So what's the first one? And again, so think about this in terms of a one to five scale from, you know, I don't really know or cannot remember to five being very often um, that these right. different things happen to you. So number one is uh, ridicules you. And, and some of you will chuckle at this list because if you're in an abusive situation, you pretty much know but in case, sometimes those abusive situations can be crazy making. There's mm -hmm. gaslighting going on. Is this really happening? Maybe one of the things we know from the literature is it makes you doubt your self-worth and capability. And mm -hmm. so this checklist is a good backstop. Nine times out of 10, you know, whatever. Most of the time, you're going to know. But in case you're doubting yourself, use this checklist to take a real assessment. Yeah. Of the, the first well, one ridicules you. Right. Yes. So and I just want to back up a second too, to kind of build on something you just said. Some people don't know what good supervision and good leadership even looks like. Right. Right. The, so the things that we're mentioning, if you're going, oh, yeah, my boss kind of does a lot of that. Th that's not right. That ain't right. 
So <laughs> um, if they're doing these types of things, it's not right. Uh, and it's not effective management or leadership by any stretch. So number one, ridicules you. Number two, tells you your thoughts or feelings are stupid. Number three, gives you the silent treatment. Yeah. I mean, and put your put this cap on. Imagine yourself in a, hey, your job is to go evaluate our supervisors at company XYZ. And you have a checklist. And if, is it ever acceptable for a boss to ridicule someone? Is it ever acceptable for be like, oh, I see you did. I mean, I see you did your best work, but you're stupid. Right. Like, and don't get me wrong. I think there's some real stupid people out there. But is that a good work environment? You no, know? not at all. And, and silent treatment. That person needs. This is all that, you know, kind of group action that people feel distinct stress when they're ignored. Right. right? The silent treatment is a type of bullying. Really. Yeah. Well, and it, it's like it's ostracism. Right. So people should go back and listen to our episode with Josh Cogswell on ostracism. And that's kind of part of that, right? So gives you the silent treatment, puts you down in front of others, uh, invades your privacy, reminds you of your past mistakes and failures, um, doesn't give credit for jobs requiring a lot of effort. You know, if that's happening a lot, then that's, well, then then you might have an abusive supervisor, as Jeff Foxworthy might say. Um, blames you to save him or herself embarrassment. Ugh. Yeah breaks promises he or she makes hey we're gonna go to lunch and talk about your career next week uh we'll have to do it next quarter you know those <laughs> kinds of things expresses anger at you when he or she is mad for another reason yeah you know some people bring their work work home and are real nasty to their spouse and their kids well what what if somebody's just doing it to the people they work with that that's a total no-go um makes negative comments about you to others yeah, and I've I've seen people I've seen bosses do this in the presence of other people. Right. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's worth, you know, Ben, you, me and the boss are sitting here. I'm like, man, my teammate, Ben, is the worst ever. And hey, I'm right here. Jeez. You know, like <laughs> so. But making negative comments about you to others is bad. Right. Is rude to you. Uh, doesn't allow you to interact with your coworkers tells you you're incompetent, lies to you. So those are a handful, the 15 different characteristics of um, a an abusive boss or, or ways that you can tell whether or not your boss is abusive. And these actually were, this comes from some of Ben Tepper's other research, uh, but they're, it's all in an a article that we also link to in the show notes that kind of summarizes many of these different things. So you can check that out as well. And I invite you to do so. So that's how we can kind of know whether or not your boss is being abusive. And it's interesting because, you know, when we think of different industries and different areas in which this is common, you know, sometimes we think of, you know, maybe stereotypically uh, aggressive types of industries, but it's actually the most common in a certain uh, subset of, of an industry. And what is that? Chris? College sports. Mm. Right. So, yeah, you think, OK, Hollywood. Now, you know, we've had some of those things when, what is it, Weinstein or whatever, Ugh. you know, you got to sleep with me if you want to be in the movies, you know, that kind of behavior. Well, and, you know, society kind of gets, well, you kind of know what you're getting into if you go into the, well, oh, actually, 
actually NCAA is way worse <laughs> for this. And yeah. this was research done by the NCAA into the behavior and practices by coaches there. Right. So for our international listeners and for those who don't give a rip about sports, uh, the NCAA is the National Collegiate Athletic Association, which governs how sports are played and conducted in the United States, uh, by and large. So, uh, yeah, it turns out that, you know, that this is where it's kind of expected that coaches, you know, tough coaches are the ones who kind of, you know, yell and scream and are fairly intimidating in that way. You think of uh, Bobby Knight. So Bobby Knight was a... Um, a coach uh, for a long time. He's at the, at Indiana University, and uh, he was known for throwing chairs and other types of shenanigans. Uh, and you know what? It, it turns out that that's <laughs> that's just uh, numbskullery um, trying to manage and lead in that way. It actually doesn't work, and we'll get into that more in here in a minute. But yeah, if you're if you're around college sports, you may have seen some of this. Certainly happens in other areas of of work and life, and that's why we're talking about it. Um, like thirty percent in college sports. Ooh, so man. if it's a pandemic in the workplace, it's it's a it's criminal disaster yeah. in in college sports. And right. and what happened is when when so people have this idea of oh well this is what tough leadership looks like. This is what a drill sergeant type behavior might mm -hmm. be, right? Uh this is well it drives results. You know, we think about Jack Welsh. Well, we just fire the bottom so and so percent every year because we're getting results work this is cutthroat business actually that's the biggest bunch of malarkey you could ever ever believe and the problem is is that people who select ceos college sports coaches and a variety of these things have stinking thinking around what right looks like when it comes to leadership they don't know that the research actually shows that abusive supervisory behaviors lead to fear, avoidance, anger, and counterproductive work behaviors. And people don't give their best to that kind of stuff. So your vision, I mean, I guess maybe it makes a movie, but I think it makes a crap movie because it's baloney. You know, oh, look at the, you know, the, there was this movie that came out about uh, a band teacher high school band teacher, and he drove those kids to, this is me driving them to excellence. No, it's garbage. That's not what right looks like in this place. Right, right. So it certainly has negative outcomes. Um, one of the biggest ones is that people are much more likely to quit uh, when they have a an, an abusive supervisor. Um, and so it doesn't work for various types of managerial or leadership or teamwork types of results. It, it's not effective. Uh, but, you know, even more, even if it were, <laughs> even if it were effective, even if it, you could actually make a team perform better by uh, berating the team members, I still don't think you should do it. Uh, you know, it, it's there's a whole nother argument here that it, it is just morally bankrupt to treat people in this way. And organizations that allow it are negligent in their in their uh, oversight and they are committing Management malpractice by allowing it to continue. Now, I want to push back on that a little bit, Ben. Fine. Because, and, and yeah, right. We're always live here on the podcast, right? So the thing is, especially if you're in a top performing group, right? Let's say Delta Force, a Navy SEAL team, right? 
you have to do something insane. Or what was that movie where Armageddon, when they have to go blow up the asteroid into space, right? That, that was fiction. Yeah, but I'm saying if, <laughs> the, if abusive supervisory techniques really, 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 really drove the peak performance and you need to save the whole planet from an asteroid, okay. Well, whatever. But, okay. But, but, but the, the truth is, it doesn't. Is, yeah. It does not do it. And I can right. see these board members out there that select CEOs, these coach search teams out there. Well, at the end, we want to win at all costs. Well, then you got to get rid of this garbage, guys. This is right. a plague. And, and people don't trust our institutions globally right now. Yeah. But if they never worked for a good boss their entire life, why would they trust that any other organization? would be better. So this is not just something that affects your immediate org right now. This is something that affects how we interact as a society and the health and lives of people all over the place. Right, right. Uh, you know, this is kind of uh, where I think many organizations, many people need to reevaluate what right looks like when it comes to leadership and management. You know, one thing you were mentioning earlier um, you know, kind of made me think of how, you know, over the past few decades, the United States Navy, for example, has gone through some changes in terms of, I'll just take one example. We, we realized that, hey, hazing is bad. <laughs> it's bad for us to put people through ridiculous, degrading ceremonies and rituals at certain times uh, in their careers, right? One of them, one of the notable ones was when a, a Navy ship crosses the equator for the first time. Um, you know, for, for the people on the ship for whom it's the first time they go through the ceremony and it's like this, it's a bunch of silliness and, and whatnot. And, and it used to be really abusive and, you know, they, they realize, Hey, this is, this is wrong. We, we shouldn't be doing this. It's bad for our culture. It's bad for a whole host of reasons. And so they've changed that. They said, we can't do that. And, but then the outsiders and people who were around at the, you know, years ago, they go, oh, you know, the kinder, gentler Navy and kind of this, you know, derisive type of way. And, and they, they, they only remember the good old days. They only remember the good parts of the good old days. Right. Um, I would argue that, you know, <laughs> your thinking needs to evolve if you want to, to perpetuate good leadership and management in, in your workplace. Um, and just because it was the way it was done back in the day. That doesn't make it right. In fact, oftentimes it probably, you know, there's probably something problematic in those those methods. So um, I think that's something important for our listeners. Yeah, we also didn't have air conditioning in the old days, but I'm <laughs> yeah. not going back there. You know, <laughs> no. I'm I'm interested in moving forward and getting better. This <laughs> nostalgia is yeah. oh, so you don't want to innovate? And hey, I, you know, I'd love to have a drone do my fighting for me rather than me have to be boots on ground. You know. Hmm. Like the, I mean, there's, that's thinking, thinking. That's okay. That's stinkin why we're thinkin. here. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We are fighting against the stinking thinking every day for all of you. Okay. So we've talked about what, um, you know, this, this kind of idea of abusive supervision uh, as, as kind of one way in which you can fail as a leader, as a boss. And, um, you know, the situation that our listener presented to us might not rise to the, the level of abusive supervision, but it might. We don't we just don't have those data to really say whether or not it is. Uh, and part of that is a subjective evaluation of it. I, I'm not really sure, but it seems like there are some characteristics of it that that kind of make us think that it might be. So now I think it's really important for us to zero in on how our listeners can deal with this particular type of bad boss. So you've got a person who is demeaning people in front of others, 
uh, seems to be trying to lead through coercion and through ridicule. Uh, and so obviously some some not particularly great behaviors there. So let, let's delve into some tips, um, some things that our listener could think about with regard to this situation. And, and, and unfortunately, other people who are listening might need to be thinking about these things, too. But first, I want to start off with, you know, so our listener not only provided the situation, but our listener also said, hey, here's all the things that I'm doing now. Am Which I are good. Right? He's doing said, good. And, oh, my gosh. So, so you know, said, here's all the things I'm doing. Am I on the right track? So let's let's talk a little bit about what our listener is doing right now. And, uh, you know, this listener is super smart and is awesome. So uh, I think these are valuable things to say. And then we'll add on to it. So the first thing that our listener said he's doing is he said, you know, modeling desired behaviors. Um, even though this person's boss is treating people poorly, can't let that be an excuse for poor behavior on my part. Uh, maybe this boss and others are going to take notice of my positive interactions with others, um, although I'm not holding my breath, right? So I think that's a really good one. Just because you're being treated poorly, just because you're being handed a really bad uh, set of cards by by life, by work, by your organization, doesn't give you permission to uh, or an excuse to start retaliating uh, necessarily. I think modeling the change that you want to see is is generally a good idea. Yeah, that be the person you want to be. Yeah, that's. I mean, I just think that's an awesome, uh, you know, demonstration of integrity. Um, you know, this person obviously has some good values. Yeah, be the person you want to be in the world, and just do that always. You know, we <laughs> deal with executives that oh, I'm just wavering here or there, and oh, I'm at the head of this organization, and they're literally buffeted by the situations in life, and it's because they have no moral spine. There's no mast that is rigid for them to set their sail to because their life to that point has been a set of moral compromises, right? And I'm mm. glad to see that this listener is not compromising on being the kind of person he wants to be in the world, right? So, you know, yeah, don't hold your breath because you're not even caring. You're going to be that person because gosh darn it, that's who you are. Now, yeah. if you are a tool sack that is not this way, it's never too late to stop. Right? Yeah. Get, get on with it, buddy. <laughs> That's right. The second thing our listener said he's doing, he said, you know, celebrating the small wins, um, commending my colleagues and, whenever, and myself whenever we achieve something notable, no matter how small, um, to combat the constant negativity of our quote unquote leader. I think this is a really nice one because it's like, you know, leadership doesn't have to always come from the person who has the title. Leadership can come from anyone on the team and simply by, hey, we're not getting the recognition we need from our boss. All right, I could wallow in that. Um, it's not a great situation. Not what I would recommend to that manager to do. But I can still say, hey, teammates, we did a really good job. Nice job, everybody. Nice job, so-and-so. Um, I can still be a positive force. And by doing that, exhibit leadership in my own right. Yeah, it's so good. So and good. The the next one he talks about is leveraging what I will refer to as the major league effect. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I don't know. I don't know what this is. But he says in the movie Major League, which I've not seen. Ben, have you seen this movie? I think it's been a while. OK, so the Cleveland Indians, their players would rally around one another to win games, even though management did everything they could to derail the season. So I don't know the story there, but that sounds really awesome. So he's like, my colleagues and I are in the foxhole together and we have built, been able to build a sense of camaraderie, but this is really difficult to maintain 
amidst all the turnover because there's a lot of turnover when you right. have bad bosses, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, so coming together as a group, um, you know, facing that that external threat together, um, you know, that can be a coping mechanism. And I think it's it's not a bad one. Um, so it, it is difficult to maintain if you've got a lot of people leaving. Uh, but but it can give you some sense of solidarity while you're going through this tough time. I've I've had bad bosses in the military. And unlike the civilian world, you get assigned your boss. And and well, you know, yeah, I'll probably get contacted. Was I the bad boss? You know, but <laughs> but you're you're stuck for 18 months, two and a half years or so with that boss. So the positive side is, you know, there's an end in sight. But the second thing is like, hey, you need to get this guy. I mean, it had to be really egregious for that people to person to be moved out of command. Right. Mm -hmm. And so but the difference is and a lot of us say, hey, listen, we know this commander's weak or bad or whatever, but we're not going to let our unit fail. Right. We're, we're not going to fail because the standard we set for ourselves and our job performance and our character and how we're going to conduct. So we're going to rally around the bad commander and we're going to make him the best looking bad commander we can. Now, which is bad because then maybe he gets promoted. But <laughs> but the thing is, is when you have that kind of turnover, it is hard to develop that camaraderie. But, you know, organizations where I've had bad bosses out in the civilian world, you know, we kind of bonded it under, under that. And we still text each other occasionally. I'm thinking of this one bad boss. Uh, we still text each other occasionally and just check in on each other's lives just because we have that camaraderie. Right. Yeah. And that can help you build those professional contacts and the only thing you had going in common was you work for the bad boss right so the last thing that our listener mentioned that he's doing he said uh, is a mindset change get in the helicopter I, I assume metaphorically and seek understanding that this bad job is only one small component of who i am as a person and it represents a very short detour in my hopefully long career, uh, which is i think fantastic um maintaining uh, uh, some perspective is a, a very good coping mechanism. Um, I think this is important for a whole host of reasons, even if you don't have a bad boss, just having some perspective on the various you know jobs that you have or the tasks you're, you face, you, that you're facing or things that are happening. Maintaining that perspective is important and realizing that this is you know a small part of, of what's going on and kind of what matters in the long, long term. So first of all, I guess we commend our listener, say, hey, you're doing some great things. You're thinking about this in the right ways. You're not doing stinking thinking. Uh, so now, why don't we add a, on to uh, what this listener is suggesting? If you're dealing with this type of bad boss who is a technical expert, uh, but but has horrible interpersonal and leadership skills, um, probably shouldn't be in the position in the first place, and maybe is exhibiting some of these abusive characteristics. And one of the first things that, and this kind of resonates with actually what our listener was saying in some ways, that we had talked about was developing this solid sense of self. Um, you know, be a person who, you know, you're doing good things and you, you're you doing them for the right reasons and you feel like you deserve them. Um, that helps you in your resilience. So that that is helpful. And I, I want to say, because we'll say all this stuff, oh, well, you know, you'll be gone out of this job in a year and it'll be fine or or be the person like we give the rah, rah, read, which is good. Do those things. But it may not make you feel that much better. Oh, no, it's going to be horrible. Probably. And, and and so if you feel horrible or if you feel bad, don't turn to things like alcoholism to soothe right. these things. Develop some 
positive self-soothing behaviors. If you're you know? feeling hor- if you have a, an abusive supervisor and you're feeling a lot of anger and fear related to that, here's what you can tell yourself. Well, self, I am a sane, normally functioning human. I am responding in a totally normal way to a really crappy situation, right? Yeah, give yourself <laughs> space because I don't there's this bias towards positivity. Uh you know, if you put a piece of scotch tape on your elbow and do this one easy business trick, you'll be fine. And and that's not true, right? Right. You know, right. that that's clickbait fodder for the web. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to feel a little raunchy depending on how bad it is. Go, you know, develop a running practice or workout practice. Um, go get a pedicure or whatever, you know, whatever <laughs> you do to take care of yourself. You might need to increase some of those behaviors during this time. It still may not be enough, right? Right. Another thing that we know from the research is that there there are some inner some individual differences, uh, some characteristics of people that can make them more susceptible, so to speak, to abusive supervision. So one of these is what we call affect, and you can be you know having positive versus negative affect, which kind of has to do with your general outlook. On life. So positive affect, this is, you know, people who are generally kind of glass half full type people. Um, the more negative affect is, is someone who views the world in a little bit more negative ways in general, um, perhaps more realistically. Um, but uh, if you typically have kind of a low positive affect and you don't really aren't, aren't the cheeriest type of person in most circumstances, it might be helpful if you try to repair that relationship with your boss to some degree. And, you know, the specific tactic is called ingratiation, um, which is, you know, it's a lot of kind of, you know, brown nosing and so, so to speak. But I think you can do it in a way that's not selling out. I think it's, you know, trying to um, find commonalities with your boss, trying to establish some um, level of effective communication with that person, trying to help them you know, still helping them in the organization, you know, get an A, so to speak. Uh, those are those can be productive things because I'll tell you what the research suggests is that if you don't do any of that ingratiate those ingratiation types of behaviors and you have low positive affect, um, you're probably going to get to the point of wanting to quit really quickly. And and you know, <laughs> we'll talk about this later, but that might be the option at some point. Yeah, yeah you know, sometimes you just got to bounce, right? But yeah. ingratiation. That makes me want to throw up, but sometimes, like especially if you have a team of people that you manage, so you being in that position protects your team mm-hmm. from the you know the garbage rolling down the hill, right? Sometimes you have a fidelity to your team, and you know you know what? If I've got to ingratiate myself or even mildly debase myself to get a good outcome for the team of people I serve, I'm going to do it. Gosh darn it! It's easy. What I do, I have to. Gee, boss, you look so good today. How do you, how do you do it every day? You look great. You know, if I got to say that once a week to keep my team like in the promotion points and monies and other things, then I'm going to do it. Right. Right. And it's right. not all just downhill and it's not key point. It's not all about you. Mm. But if you're in an individual contributor role and this kind of stuff's going on, you know, go ahead and ingratiate yourself till you can get the next horse saddled up and have another job ready to go. Right. You know, one thing that we talked about, and I think makes a lot of sense too, is even if you're in one of these situations where you have an abusive supervisor, you this might be a time for you to focus on your 
own competency, your own skills, your own level of knowledge, and really ramp those up, right? It's like, hey, you know, I, I'm not I'm not getting the the recognition or the relationship or any of that kind of leadership stuff that I need from my boss. I'm gonna I'm gonna be excellent at what I do. I'm gonna develop my expertise, you know, and, and that way, if you are so excellent, <laughs> then they really just can't ignore you and it buys you more power and expertise or and I guess um credibility, I'll say, within the organization. So that if if your boss is disparaging you in front of other people's, it just looks stupid to them because everybody knows you're the expert on it. Yeah. Yeah. So because the the bullying and bad supervisory behaviors makes you doubt your worth as a person. So in that case, be a super worthy person. And it makes you doubt your personal abilities. Make your abilities so loud, strong, and amazing that you can't ignore them yourself. That's going to be a shield against the kind of stupid stuff that'll come out of these people's mouth about you. And if it ever does have to go to their boss or if ever there's an inquiry like, why does 80% of your team leave every four months? You know, those kinds of things. Well, this per none of them are good. Well, I don't know. This person's like the head of the, you know, .NET developers organization and has presented major papers at Google. Well, ah, uh, uh, they <laughs> look really bad, right? Right. And so just, just do that for yourself. And that's developing your career anyway. Yeah. So that develop those solid abilities. You know, that's also going to develop your own uh, expert power uh, that you that you that can be very helpful for you. Another thing that you, you know you had mentioned is you know you could always go to, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later. But uh, you know, in terms of just quitting, but the nuclear option, right? So what 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 is that? Okay, and I I don't have a problem with this when the terrain is correct. Let's say I want to work somewhere really bad, or I believe in the mission of an organization very intently, right? I, I, it, I want to be here, but I can't be here as long as this bad behavior is going on. So in that environment, right, I, I need to be here. I want to be here. I'm in the crucible of, I believe in the mission, but I can't with this boss or this environment or this toxic culture. Well, the option is to lay all your cards on the table. People are terrified of confrontation. But if you have a solid sense of self and excellent expertise, this might be a risk worth taking. If you're in that crucible and you just can't do it for your own mental health, well, arrange your finances. You may have to sell the house and move to a smaller house or something, right? I mean, there could be really de negative downstream effects. Weigh those options. And if it becomes a time that you have to do this, do it respectfully. But something might be, you know, your boss calls you out on a certain bad behavior or or calls you out on a behavior like, why is your work so crappy or something? And you say, well, one, I don't appreciate you saying that in front of everybody else. Two, it's not. And I don't think that's the way you should talk about performance. Is this the kind of culture we're going to tolerate around here? Because putting up with your garbage wasn't in my job description. <laughs> right. And, and, and right. A lot of people are like, Oh yeah, I fantasize about doing that every day. But sometimes if you're focused on the behaviors, this is a key thing we use in our coaching, focus on the behaviors you want to see. I'm happy to adjust my performance to any expectation that you have that I can do. I will give you my best, but I do not want a boss that talks to me that way. And I won't put up with it going forward. Right now. You got to get some allies. If you have some senior stakeholders in that business, that's going to give you a stronger footing. 
right? Maybe you let one of them know, hey, I'm about to just address this on the team. I think it's pretty obvious that this is bad behavior, and hopefully it'll make our team dynamic better. Maybe talk to HR if you have those kind of procedures before you go full nuclear option, right? If not, you know, hey, and if you have a problem with what I just said, let's go talk to HR about it. It'll be really hard for that manager to defend their behavior when it's just so bad. Some of your teammates might not back you up because it just seems too fraught and they're bad at confrontation. That's okay. Have some documentation if you can. Have a recording if you've got it, right? And and just be ready for that organization to say, you know what, we're just going to stay with the manager and you got to leave. Right. And then go yeah. put it on glass door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you mentioned going to, you know, using HR as an ally and that potentially could be a way that you um, address this. You know, some organizations also have other informal or other formal ways to deal with things like this. So, you know, in, in the government and in the military, we, we have like the inspector general, right? So you can um, talking about, issues of, uh, you know, fraud, waste and abuse and other types of things that are going on in the organization to spark a, a formal investigation. Now you go into something like that. You just have to know like, Hey, this is, this is a hill that I'm willing to really, really fight on and I might lose. Um, but I think your point about calling things out in a behavioral way, and if you can stay, you know, calm about it and be very, very focused on facts and things that you observed. And this is, I don't think this is the type of organization, you know, the type of culture we want to create here. Uh, this is not helpful. I think that, you know, people do hate confrontation and when they face it, it's, it's, it can be really powerful in a good way. Right. I mean, it might create some, uh, you know, various types of, um, of a tumultuous relationship for a little while, but it could lead to some good outcomes. So that's a nuclear option. Uh, if you really want to go there now, one, one other thing on that. So if you go to their boss, Realize that there's politics that you don't even know about. Yeah. Right? You go to that boss, but that boss is, you know, your boss's boss has political reasons for having your boss in place. And he's just not going to do it. He'll know, like, man, I hate it for you guys. But I can't tell you that this guy's here for a power play for my move. (laughs) And I can't have you disturbing the water. So you're gone. Right? There's all, you know, that kind of terrain because of all the unknowns, is highly fraught. So only go the nuclear option if it's your best resort and it's your best, hey, I want to stay here, but I can't live, you know, I can't go on living like this. Yeah, and on that note of whether or not you want to stay there, I think that is a very important question to be considering. And so let's go through a couple other tips for how to handle an abusive manager. And these come from uh, the Stanford business researcher, Bob Sutton. And so he he's done a lot of great work on this, uh, this type of topic, you know, bad managers and um, toxic leadership cultures and so forth. And one of the things that, that he suggests first is, you know, consider jumping ship, consider quitting. I think sometimes, and particularly I see this with people who are very mission oriented and they really want to stick things out and, hey, we got to do this for the team. What would happen if I leave? You know, that those are great things to have as, as kind of a mindset to a point right? At some point, (laughs) you really need to think, hey, I need to get out of this situation because life is short. My career needs to go somewhere else. And I'm just, this is not good for my well-being. I need to go. Um, So cut your losses and leave. 
Uh, so, you know, your chances are that you're probably going to do better next time. If, if, this, if this boss is really bad, chances are your next one might be a little bit better. So, yeah, uh, if they're only 10%, nine out of yeah. 10, you're going to win. But the key point is if you keep having bad bosses, right? Mm. It, then you got to think, what's the common denominator here? Yeah. Is it, <laughs> it might me? be you. And, and it might be there's just certain things. You can reach out to some friends and people that, that like, hey, am I triggering this kind of behavior? Oh, yeah. okay. What do I need to change in order to get there? And Or you might just have thin skin, right? Yeah. And it depends on the organizations. You know, some, like in the Army, like we're pretty direct a lot of times on certain things. But all the same political shenanigans go on, right? Sure. So you sure. just calibrate your environment. Yeah, but don't, you know, don't take it off the table that you might want to quit. Uh, another thing that Bob Sutton mentions is team up. So you'd mentioned this, Chris, about you might want to get some people together, other uh, folks, you know, on your team who might be able to, you know, kind of gauge what's going on. Um, also, you know, just relying on them for support. I think that can be a really helpful tactic. Yeah, it's the everybody has a what's the so what kind of mood. It, you know, you're about to go into the boss's office. What's his mood today? Oh, it's a bad one, Tim. Best of luck. You know, <laughs> run away. <laughs> like, you know, work together to just kind of collectively manage the bad boss's behavior. If you can't get him out of there, manage, manage up, right? Um, it, and, and that can be helpful. Another thing is keeping your distance. Yeah, I, I love this. This is so practical. Just you know, reduce your contact with this bad boss. It, it can really help your, uh, you know, your mental health and just your well-being during the day. Um, I, I love some of the things that Bob Sutton mentioned. He says, uh, you know, maybe just be slow to respond to emails. Um, you know, don't respond right away. Cut back on those face-to-face -face meetings if you can. Just kind of keep an actual safe distance from the person. Yeah, and I've seen those bosses like, well, Filson's just a little slow on the uptake. You know, he's not Johnny on the spot type thing. And, you know, who cares what he, you know, he's a numbskull boss. Don't, don't worry about those pieces. If he thinks that you're kind of a slow Eeyore, oh boy. You know, if, if he thinks you're an Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, so what? You know, it's not like he's going to promote you or any of that other stuff necessarily. You try the ingratiating behaviors, you team up, you start, you brush off your resume to jump ship, keeping some distance and just being, well, he's not bad enough to fire and, and just ride the guy out. Right. <laughs> sure. Sure. And I'm just, you know, Filson, Filson's actually being smart here by saying, Hey, maybe I should just keep my distance a little bit. Another thing that Bob Sutton mentions is that you should just take the long view. And this is what goes back to our listeners point of, he said, you know, have have a good mindset. Uh, you know, think about the helicopter, you know, getting some elevation, taking the, the the big picture in mind can be very helpful and realize that these really, you know, awful moments, they can pass. Um, and, you know, <laughs> what Bob Sutton says is you can convince yourself that even if someone is treating you like dirt, it won't mean anything a year from now. And, you know, to some extent, I think that that is true. Um, keep in mind that you're, you'll have other opportunities in life and in your career to work with other people and that this is just one piece of, of your experience. Yeah. Another thing is don't fan the flames. And this should be like the obvious one. If he's a violent jerk, don't be, you know, getting up in his grill about stuff, right? <laughs> you know, if you're, don't put a bullseye on your target. You know, don't be the one to always speak up in the meeting. 
Yeah. Don't be that, you know, just kind of, you know, it works in out in the wilderness, right? Right. Stay down in the grass, right? You know, it works in the workplace. What's good for nature is good for the workplace. Just don't fan the flames and and don't openly disparage management and talk about your boss behind your back. That can bite you so quickly. Um, You know, there might just need to be a a nodding, a quiet nodding between team members, but don't don't have anything and don't publicly undermine their authority. That's a quick way to get on out. Now, if you've got the chops and the power play, let's say you're the boss's nephew or something like that. (laughs) I mean, use your power to get this boss out of there. Right. Sure. But the whole thing is, is and I love how Sutton puts it. Bad bosses may be a scourge, but a truly dysfunctional workplace is almost always a group effort. So even if it's 90 percent your boss's fault, make your 10 percent clean and dress right dress, right? Outstanding. So today on the Indigo podcast, we've talked about bad bosses, the technical expert who fails at leadership. We talked about how this is one type of being a bad boss. We talked about what you can learn from the research on abusive supervision, and we gave some tips for how you might deal with this particular type of bad boss. And I really hope that we provided some insight and some additional ideas for our listener who wrote in to us. We really appreciate that. Uh, this person just reached out to us and for your continued support of our podcast. Yeah. we're going to have to do a series on bad bosses. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Indigo podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us by rating us on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen, telling your friends about us, having us on your podcast or mentioning us on social media. Our website is www.indigopodcast.com, where you can access more information about us and this episode. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.